fucking show. What the fuck? Show! Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. All right, welcome in. That was an interesting start uh, to this edition of Libservative. Corey was doing a lot of cursing, which is actually probably going to show up in the uh, podcast recording, which if it's in there, I am totally leaving it. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. That happy asshole is Corey Walsh. And that is Dan Griffin. And here we are. On Here we are doing it again. Maybe our last, maybe our last episode ever, Corey. Because <laughs> yeah, we got democracy ending in a week. We got nuclear war. Mm-hmm. We got climate change. Yeah, COVID. Yeah, RSV <laughs> croup. Like my little niece <laughs> has that poor girl. She's, a, she's uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, you made me laugh at the wrong moment after you added that caveat. She's, Thanks a lot. <laughs> she's okay. She's okay though. She's doing well. She actually she even uh went uh, trick or treating the other night with her uh, with her big brother. So everything's everything's good. So I, I can I can use that uh in jest. Uh yeah, so democracy coming to an end. Uh I don't know where you I don't know where, where, where did you wa- Where did you want to start? I don't know, but I was going to say real quick that uh, Libservative Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is podpage.com slash Libservative. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter is at Libservative Pod. And you can find our transcripts at libservativepodcast.wordpress.com. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast. And you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today! Subscribe, subscribe today. Subscribe today to the Observative Podcast. <laughs> Two intellectual idiots just navigating through the political noise. <laughs> Tune in next week. Uh, foster- fostering political and cultural literacy that we apparently don't have because Corey and I just had confusion even this evening about what the, what our new fucking con- congressional district lines were here. <laughs> well, no, in no, 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 you. Yeah, it's true. It was mostly just me. It was most. It was mostly just me. Uh, but the good news is, I was keeping up on all fair. of. I was keeping up on all of the races. So either way, I would have. You know, I would have stepped up to the ballot and known who I supported or didn't support, which is probably nobody. So it doesn't really matter anyway. Uh, yeah. So is nobody on the ballot this year, Dan? Nobody. Yeah, I don't know. Is there like an option for nobody? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could write that in. <laughs> just write my name in. I'll write sure, your name in. I'm pretty sure writing in nobody has the same effect as just not voting for that. Procedure. It's voting third party. <laughs> well, that's what some people. That's what some people would tell you. I've actually thought about. Um, I, I honestly haven't decided who I'm going to vote for for Michigan governor, but e- even our out of state listeners will appreciate this because uh, it's it's just something fun that I'm going to try. Um, if if I do decide to vote third party. I'm going to take a picture of my ballot. I'm going to post it, and I'm going to say, "Waiting to see who told me I'm the reason I lost the election tomorrow." <laughs> or, or, oh yeah, I lost like I the election you. tomorrow. <laughs> In 2016, when I voted third party for libertarians, all my Democratic friends said Trump being elected was my fault. 
And then in 2020, when Biden was elected and I voted third party, all of my Trump friends told me that that was my fault. I'm ready to take the blame. I have I have one shoulder made of metal, then mm. I can hold the weight. Yeah, well, I can't. I'm fragile. I'll hold your weight for you. Uh, you want to hop up on these shoulders? You want to get up on this saddle, Dan? It's getting less and less. I've lost a few pounds. I'm going to take it easy on your old man shoulder there. Uh, that, that, speaking of that, that's, that's what I've actually been taking in. What I've tried to do, I've tried to, you know, how most people are like annoyed by political ads, understandably so, because they're awful, especially this time of year down to the last few, down to the last few days of the election. I have honestly tried to have a different take on them in wh- where I'm just kind of just watching them and just picking out all of the nonsense, which is most of it. Because if you notice in a lot of these political ads, which are like, like they have like really dark music and that, I don't know who the hell they pay to do these voiceovers. They do a really good job, but it's like, I don't, you know, can, can you get canceled for being the voiceover for a Republican political ad? Well, not on Twitter anymore, but, um, I, I'm watching these Bling. and I'm just pointing out like our attorney general was accused of when she when she was a public defender defending someone. She defended a rapist when she was a public defender. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm like, you mean she did her job and like upheld the Constitution, which I'm pretty sure is every attorney's job. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. This is actually pretty funny. Marissa just said uh, 10 text messages a day about the same exact person is annoying. And what's really funny, I just want to say I this. Say, I actually... can, I, can I say, hey, babe, to my fiance? Because that is my fiance. <laughs> hey, babe. And, uh, hey, babe. I'm making um, her, I'm gonna making say her show quick, debut. So what I do, what I usually do whenever I get those text messages, and it's always like, are you super excited to vote for November? Make sure that you get your early ballot in or get to the polls. If you need more information on where to vote, let us know. I always respond with, yes, I am super excited to vote that I'm going to do both mail-in and in-person voting. And they never <laughs> respond. <laughs> I'm hoping I'm hoping that my text <laughs> in this bullshit make it on some sort of network like Fox News saying, see, there are people that are creating fraudulent voting. <laughs> you should you will we should start tweeting that out. Make sure to make sure to vote both by mail and at the ballot box. <laughs> I tell them every time they never ever ever respond. <laughs> oh, dude, that's so good. Uh, so I mean, Dan, to take a trope from uh, Matt Welch on the Reason Roundtable. Uh, shout out to them, Matt uh, Welch, not Matt Walsh, by the way. Yeah, not Matt Walsh, Matt Welch. <laughs> what are you consuming this week? Uh, I I just told you I've been consuming political ads, <laughs> political ads, <laughs> and, and actually, on repeat, <laughs> and actually and actually find, trying trying to to uh, to find a way uh, to enjoy them. But oh yeah, what else did I watch? Oh, I uh, I've actually been listening to uh, an audiobook recommended by your husband Nick Gillespie from the Reason Roundtable, uh, African Founders. Uh, what the hell's it? I don't remember what the subtitle is, but it's a book called African Founders, and it's essentially about the. Uh, um, the, the way, ways in which uh, black folks, even pre-slavery and uh, during slavery, uh, affected our culture and our politics. Yeah, I want, actually, I haven't read it yet, but I want to read that book because like, the premise basically is it's not making the black community a, a, uh, a group of victimhood, but the fact that they, even under like literal chains of bondage, they had a huge influence and sway on the way America was shaped. And 
refined and becoming what we are today. Yeah. And they, you know, and like it's more, the, and it's more than just Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman and, and the, you know, the obvious ones that you actually learn about in white people history class. Right. You know, what's funny though. The ones they don't teach you about in history class are the ones like Nat Turner. Mm-hmm. You know who that is? I'm, I've, I'm familiar with the name. Refresh my memory. He's one of the most famous, uh, organizers for like a slave revolt. Um, like back in the day, are you talking about Matt Turner? Are you talking? He took about the whole. The, he took his whole farm, and they literally just—they were stockpiling guns, and then they took their—they took over their slave farm, and then gathered all the the slaves, and just kept going farm to farm. And unfortunately, it doesn't end well in a Disney esque, Marvel esque style, like fantasy, like you know, happy fairy tale ending, but. Yeah, it's it's someone who was literally like, you know what? Fuck this. And I remember reading the book and they were taking rock gravel from the road because they were out of lead and they were putting that in their guns with the gunpowder and shooting off uh, just pea gravel at people and oh, shit. That, and it, was, that, it was interesting shit. It's pretty cool. Yeah, the uh, the gun nuts out there wouldn't be happy about that. You're ruining that. Uh, ruining that. As a muzzle loader, there's no bore. Fire. I understand, but it can't be. It can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it probably can't. Like you're literally, if you lodge <laughs> something in that barrel wrong, then you're fucked. Anyway, what about you, Corey? Um, so I have been watching Mad Men on AMC. I don't know if you ever watched that show. I never. You know what? I just I could never get into it. I tried multiple times. So you know, so you know, I'm going to school for marketing and stuff at the time as we were recording this episode. Yeah, so and, you're going to uh, be walking so, around grabbing ladies' asses. It's not 1959, Dan. And trying to fuck your secretary? Like, <laughs> I don't even have a secretary. I just got an email with work. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny because it really is. It's like such a trivial thing, but Corey, I'm in this the position day, now. The day you have a secretary is the day we know we've made it. <laughs> we made it when I'm when Corey's got a secretary. <laughs> But I'm gonna make it a guy. I don't even want the bad optics. Yeah, it's a good call. Uh, <laughs> although the me, although the Me Too movement has cooled down just a little bit, so we may be okay for a little while. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying. Like I just had like eight million jokes that aren't formulated, trying to go off of that, and that's for off the air. Oh. And so, <laughs> and. uh and so I've been watching Mad Men, and I find it pretty interesting. Mad Men and listening to Quinn X's uh, new album, A Letter to My Younger Self. And uh, if you like people who just blend genres of music and uh, like uppity music, like upbeat music and rapping and good beats, then Quinn is the guy for you. I'd, I'd recommend the album. I'd recommend. Did you Quinn- just have a, a Freudian slip and almost say uppity music? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I think I almost did, but I meant to say like uppity beat, like an upbeat sound, you know, like, like, oh, I could fucking move my hips to this. And uh, yeah, Mad Men and Quinn, shout out to Don Draper. And, uh, that is, for the record, that is not Quinn XC. <laughs> Everybody knows Rapper's Delight by now, I hope. <laughs> I hope so. Maybe not our Gen Z listeners, which I doubt we have very many of <laughs> At this point, probably not, and I'm sure even them know rappers delight. Oh man! Anyway, uh, but yeah, that's what I'm. I'm drinking some Basil Hayden's, got some champagne and beers. I got listening to Quinn XC and watching Mad Men and rewatching uh, Rick and Morty. Forgot to mention, I brought back the classic. 
the uh, whistle pig ten year small batch rye, and I actually found I should have brought. I actually I'm an idiot. And I left it in the car. It's probably shit, but I'm a huge Traeger guy. I like to you you you've, you've seen me grill on the Traeger before because it's like the best of both worlds. You can kind of smoke meat without like the ritual <laughs> and like the uh, uh, all the pain in the ass. So whistle pig combined with uh, uh, or collabed with Traeger for a special blend that I just I'd never seen this before I had to buy it I paid like 80 bucks for it it's probably garbage but maybe I'll break that one out next week ooh that uh, doesn't sound, doesn't sound bad I do have a, a smoker but I'm not uh, bougie like Dan I have to sit there and it, dude it's there's nothing bougie about it it's like it's like an expensive piece of equipment but it is so like I have I have probably gotten the I can't even remember what I paid for it at this point, but I've probably gotten my money's worth. I use that thing three times a week, all seasons, doesn't matter, summer, winter, spring, fall. That's the benefit of a of a thing like a Traeger that automatically administers the wood chips and stuff like that. Uh it's a beautiful piece I have of to machinery. sit there. My my this thing is, is a not whole a Traeger ad, event. by the way. We do not we are in no way affiliated with uh with Traeger grills. I just really love them. But if you're listening, Traeger, we are open to affiliate programs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm old school. And like, I maybe use my smoker only a couple times a year because it's it is it's it's a fucking hassle when you're actually doing the ritual of so smoking saying, something. So but Traeger's also a girl, man. I can I could turn it up to 450 and throw some burgers on there too, and stunning. Oh yeah. Same as any regular grill. Uh, but uh, story of the week, Corey, is uh, certainly the uh, hammer no, attack on Paul Pelosi. I'm sorry to What do you got to do now? Up, what do you got to do now? What, 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 I, what? I got I to bring it up. I got to bring up uh, Michigan, Michigan State last week. You do? Why? Because uh, we didn't talk about it yet, I guess. I, I mean, know. our team won. We don't want to rub anything in. <laughs> it literally sounds like politics. Our team won. Your team lost. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you know why that's that's why I went from the sports world to politics because the you know the sports world got a little drab for me. Uh, <laughs> same same talking points over and over again. Oh wait a minute, that's exactly what we're dealing with when it comes to politics. It's literally the same. The blue versus green, red versus blue, uh, maize versus green and white. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, it's maize and blue. Yeah. So yeah, uh, the story of that actually is the fact that some uh, Michigan State low lives det- this players decided to jump an injured Michigan player in the tunnel because for those that don't know at Michigan Stadium both teams come out the same tunnel now they're supposed to come out at different times uh Michigan won the game fellows were out uh, celebrating with the crowd and uh a a young man who had a, an ACL injury for Michigan was uh sent in a little bit early and he went in kind of the same time some Michigan State players are going in and it was like a 10 on 1 beatdown uh, wait 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 so you're saying that that video that looks like he's skipping he's limping I believe so. Yes, yes. He had a knee injury. Because you ever the Michigan State fans are like, "Well, who is he just skipping in there?" Well, the he, he might have been. Maybe it wasn't a serious injury, right? It might not have been a serious injury, but he but he, he was sent in, in early. Game. Yeah, he was sent in early. Uh, dude, well, good his, job, Michigan State. You beat up. A but cripple. even even so, even so, even so, Corey, this, big tough guy. This is this is this is big time college football. <laughs> you lost the game. Uh, the other guys are allowed to gloat a little bit. I mean, that's just sports, man. That's just the way it is. You don't fucking beat the You're shit in their out. house. You don't beat the shit out of somebody in a tunnel because they're gloating. Uh, now, if they're being uh, <laughs> overly obnoxious, you know, maybe you say something, whatever it is, but... Yeah, where, 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 were you for, uh, where were you for 60 minutes out on the football field? Where was the fight then? Right. 
Yeah, so, yeah. it wasn't there. That this was, is the perfect segue, Dan. Yeah. Because to, that to Michigan down. player got a beat down in his own house. <laughs> I see what you did there. By someone who came in. And it just goes to show that the Paul Pelosi fiasco really hits the nail on the head ah. when we talk about political catastrophizing. Now let me now let me uh let me take that one step further. Michigan State was invited into Michigan's house. Which is a conspiracy Some theory. Some conspiracies <laughs> out there saying that this yeah, I don't even remember his name. I don't really give a shit. The the guy Dave Dupape. Dave 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 David Depap. Uh yeah. Who by the way was an illegal immigrant, which is interesting. Uh, but, can- but a Canadian, Canadian illegal Canadian. Those, are, those don't actually count. You know why they don't count? You know why they don't count? Because they're white. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know. You know what's funny? I was reading about it, and Canadian immigrants are allowed to just come here for six months with no visa or anything. They're allowed to just hang out. <laughs> but if you're from, if you're brown and you're from Mexico, it's... any any of those poor places south, yeah, you get thrown in a cage. Ugh, yucky. We don't like uses a political tool and shipped around on a bus. Uh. So. Yeah, that's the conspiracy theory that already that was. Well, you know what's really funny is like I I had texted you like, hey, somebody tried to kill Paul Pelosi. Like that's the way I phrased it to you when it was like brand new, right? When the headlines were first dropping, nobody knew what the hell happened at that point. Uh, so, I don't even know what my response was. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I I I was like, usually when things like this happen, I go, okay. Here, here, here come the conspiracy theorists from the right, and here come like the the weird parts of the story that are going to be true that come out that the, that the left is going to completely deny. You know what I mean? Because like right. this, this story is really weird, but as you know, people on the con- uh, what it, whatever you want to call them, the conspiracy theory right, which I do believe is a vast minority of Republicans. I'm not trying to like put like a lo- wide swath of. Uh, uh, blame on 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 that particular ideology, but it's like they always take it just a little, a li- like a step a little bit too far. So yeah, yeah. So before we get into this and get into the weeds, <clears throat> like like fuck the uh, the new news articles about it, you know anything like that. I'm right now. I'm looking at a PDF file of the actual case of the people of the state of California versus David DePap. And it's a notice of motion and motion to detain request for judicial notice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to read real quick the original statement of facts. And uh, then we could just talk about it. So it, what it says is in the middle of the night, defendant smashed. And this is now this is from the defendant side because the prosecutor is going against David DePat. In the middle of the night, defendant smashed through a window in the back door in the in a back door of the Pelosi home in search of the Speaker of the United States House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi. But Speaker Pelosi was not home, only her 82-year-old husband, Paul, who slept upstairs in his pajama top and boxer shorts. Standing over Mr. Pelosi's bedside just after 2 a.m., defendant startled Mr. Pelosi awake by asking, Are you Paul Pelosi? Defendant carried a large hammer in his right hand and several white plastic zip ties in his left. What? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that being like, like... not even being Paul Pelosi, but just being anybody. Like you roll over, it's just a dude. Like, are you so and so? Are you Dan Griffin? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <And it's>, no. <laughs> shit all over. I just sorry. I just shit all over myself. <laughs> Defendant carried a large hammer in his right hand and several white plastic zip ties in his left hand. Defendant then repeated, "Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy?" Still groggy from being suddenly awoken, Mister Pelosi responded, "She's not here." Defendant then demanded. Well, when she when is she going to be back? She's in Washington. She's not going to be back for a couple of days. Defendant responded, "Okay, well, I'm going to tie you up." <laughs> and the defendant said, 
Mr. Pelosi stood up and tried to leave the elevator near the bedroom, but defendant held the door, preventing Mr. Pelosi from escaping. Mr. Pelosi then returned to the bedroom, sat on the bed, and asked for a defendant why he wanted to see or talk to Nancy. Well, she's my number two. Well, she's number two in the in the line for presidency, right? Mr. Pelosi agreed. Defendant responded that they are all corrupted and we've got to take them all out. When Mr. Pelosi asked if he if he could call anyone for defendant, defendant anonymously responded that it was the end of the road for Mr. Pelosi. Still trying to escape from defendant, Mr. Pelosi asked to use the bathroom. Defendant allowed him to do so. Mr. Pelosi stood up and walked to the bathroom where his phone was charging. His prostate is shrinking. He really probably needed to use the bathroom. I, I, I give Paul... I, 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 like you just said, you would have shit yourself <laughs> if someone was standing over your bed. So he's probably like, hey, can I go... That <laughs> shit, because you almost made me. He's got an 82-year-old prostate. He probably really did have to take a pretty wicked piss. Right. Standing in the bathroom, Miss Pelosi grabbed his phone, turned it on, called 911, and then put the phone on speaker. Watching Mr. Pelosi, defendant stood about... Watching Mr. Pelosi, defendant stood about three feet away, still holding the large hammer and zip ties. During the 911 call itself, Mr. Pelosi said that there was a gentleman there waiting for his wife, Nancy Pelosi, to come back. But Mr. Pelosi said they would have to wait because his wife would not be coming back for about a day. Mr. Pelosi could see defendant gesturing and heard defendant tell him to get off the phone. To defuse the situation, Mr. Pelosi told the dispatcher that he did not need police, fire, or medical assistance. Trying to be calm and discreet while trying to while help while trying to help dispatch the dispatch to help understand the situation, Mr. Pelosi then asked for the Capitol Police because they are usually at the house protecting his wife. The dispatcher clarified that Mr. Pelosi was calling the San Francisco police and Mr. Pelosi said that he understood and then asked someone, I don't know, what do you think? Another man responded, everything's good. Mr. Pelosi then stated, uh, he thinks everything's good. Uh, I've got a problem, but he thinks everything's good. When the dispatcher told Mr. Pelosi to call back if he changed his mind, Mr. Pelosi quickly responded, no, no, no. This gentleman just uh, came into the house uh, and he wants to wait for my wife to come home. The dispatcher then asked Mr. Pelosi if he knew the person, and Mr. Pelosi said he did not. Mr. Pelosi then said that the man was telling him not to do anything. The dispatcher then asked Mr. Pelosi for his name and address, and Mr. Pelosi gave them to the dispatcher. Mr. Pelosi then said that the the old man or the, the Mr. Pelosi then said that the man told him to put the phone down and do just what he says. The dispatcher then asked the man's name, and the man responded, My name is David. When the dispatcher asked who David is, Mr. Pelosi said, I don't know, but David said, I'm a friend of theirs. Mr. Pelosi then confirmed with the dispatcher that he did not know the man. He's telling me I am very, I am being very lazy, so I've got to stop talking to you, okay? When the dispatcher offered to stay on the line with Mr. Pelosi to make sure everything is okay, Mr. Pelosi said, no, he wants me to get the hell off the phone. The call ended. Based on her training and what she heard, dispatcher Heather Greaves issued a priority A well-being check. After the call, the defendant said that he was tired and needed to sleep. He also told Mr. Pelosi that he had a backpack downstairs with a whole bunch of stuff inside. They proceeded downstairs, the defendant walking behind Mr. Pelosi, still holding the large hammer and the zip ties. Turning on the lights, Mr. Pelosi could see where defendant entered the house. Defendant, comment, defendant commented that he had to bash the window several times to break through and enter. Defendant also said that the police would not be there any minute. Mr. Pelosi tried to calm defendant by saying that they were... The defendant also said the police would be there any minute. Mr. Pelosi tried to calm the defendant by saying that they would not. But the defendant responded, I could take you out. Defendant came around to Mr. Pelosi's right with a large hammer upright in his hand. Afraid the defendant would strike him with the hammer, Mr. Pelosi reached out and put his hand on the handle of the hammer. 
Shortly after the initial call, officers Colby Wilms and Kyle Cagney responded to the residence. When Officer Wilms rang the doorbell, defendant directed Mr. Pelosi not to open the door, but Mr. Pelosi opened the door with his left hand. As the door opened, the two men stood in the dimly lit foyer facing the officers. Mr. Pelosi nervously, calm, calmly, nervously but calmly greeted them. When the officer asked what was going on, defendant smiled and said, everything's good, <laughs> and pulled his hands towards his body. When the officer turned on his flashlight, defendant could be seen holding the bottom of the handle of the hammer with one hand and Mr. Pelosi's right arm with the other. Mr. Pelosi had his hand on the top handle near the hammer. One officer ordered, drop the hammer. At the same time, defendant raised the hammer and said, um, nope, Definite, defendant tried to pull the hammer away from Mr. Pelosi, which twisted Mr. Pelosi's arm back. Simultaneously, Mr. Pelosi pleaded, hey, hey, hey. The officer again asked, what is going on here? But Mr. Pelosi could not maintain his, maintain his grip on the hammer. A second later, defendant wrenched his hammer away from Mr. Pelosi, immediately stepped back and lunged at Mr. Pelosi, striking Mr. Pelosi in the head a full, with full force on the, with the hammer, which knocked Mr. Pelosi unconscious. The defenders rushed the house, tackled defendant, disarmed him. Mr. Pelosi remained unresponsive for about three minutes, waking up in a pool in his own blood. And then it goes on to continually talk about how defendant was saying things like, I came here to have a little chat with his wife. She, he didn't really want to hurt him, but you know, this was a suicide mission. I'm not going to stand here with anything to do, even if it cost me my life. And that he wanted to Pelosi to admit basically that she was a liar. And if she didn't, he was going to break her kneecaps. So she had to be rolled into Congress to, as a message to everyone that these are, this is what will eventually happen if you keep continually lying to the American people. So that's the kind of long winded, but yeah, so that's what file. happened. That's the case file or according to the case file, right? I mean, that's the case file. That's not. Here's the thing. If, if David DePap is as crazy as he's being portrayed, I mean, you know, they've gone over all the social media stuff and the, the what is it? Wasn't he writing a blog or something? Um, I could believe a crazy person actually doing what was stated in that case file. You know what I mean? Like if he's that desperate and that nuts, yeah. Could I see him? Because everybody goes. Because that—that's the first thing people turn to. They go, you know, how could the how could the police allow this to happen? You know, how could like how you know how does a person smash somebody in the face with a hammer right in front of police? And it's like, I mean, if you look at like certain videos just out on just out on everyday streets, people do some pretty crazy fucking shit right in front of police officers. So I, I don't really take like I don't really take too much credence into that. Um, however, however, I will say this: I am, as I think much of the American public is these days, I am remarkably skeptical about any story that is sensationalized by the corporate media. As I, well, under- I think it was as political. I, as political. I understand it now, as I understand it now, it does make sense. Does that? mean that I'm not open to like new information that would be, you know, shoved under the rug by the corporate media because they don't want you to know it's real. A hundred percent. As of right now, like it it I mean it does kind of make sense to me. Right. I'd like to see the body cam footage. This guy was clearly a hundred percent. You know, and, and the nine one one call. I'd like to hear the nine one one call, right? Right. As evidenced by the fact that the right tries to paint him off as a Black Lives Matter leftist. Mm-hmm immediately because he lived in a house that had this stuff, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. And the, and then the left immediately using this as a thing, like, see, all Republicans are crazy. Yeah, and all Republicans are right wing extremists that are. Is, yeah. 
And that's when this is just a crazy, just like the guy who went after Brett Kavanaugh is a crazy, just like the guy who went after Justice Scalise is a crazy. These aren't people who represent a whole entire swath of the nation. Steve Scalise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like each side. Did I say Justice Scalise? Yeah, yeah. You you were thinking thinking of Justice Scalia. Scalia. (laughs) I got the two mixed, but you understand what I'm saying. Well, that's the thing for the audience. when When these things happen, you know, whether you're talking about the shooting at the congressional baseball game where Steve Scalise was, you know, had his pelvis shattered and couldn't walk forever. That was a Republican that was shot by By a a Bernie bro, by a fucking Bernie bro, you know, and and it's painted by the left as, oh, just some weird guy. And, you know, it's it's okay, You know, it's never okay for political violence. And then you have this happen and you and you have the left going oh see it's all these it's these it's these right wing conspiracy theorists and these fascists and these violent gun people that are doing this and then you have the right going ah it's just one crazy person and it's like you're both you're fucking hypocrites and and i mean i will give credit this time because like all the pundits on fox news even even the ben shapiro's of the world who's you know, as much as I can't stand his politics, Ben Shapiro's generally a pretty reasonable guy when it comes to this kind of stuff. And and all these people were, you know, condemning political violence. But but then you have, you know, uh you have the the eight chan people, you have the social media people that, you know, that go, Oh, you know, he you know, he deserved it, or you know, he didn't he didn't die, so it's okay. But but and then I'll let you go, Corey. You if you if you remember when Steve Scalise was shot at the congressional baseball game, you had you know Democrats and people on the left going, "Well, it looks like the gun advocate guy just took one for the team." <laughs> yeah, you saw it's that just, on both sides. You see it on the social media all the time. And uh, I think what almost like even sparked all these crazy conspiracies because wasn't it? I I think it was Politico that originally shared an article about all this saying that oh there was three people and there was just yeah they, they and this is what happens when everyone tries to jump on a story first before they get all the facts but they said a bunch of weird shit like that. i think there was uh there was three people there not two uh based on the phone call which all makes sense because it sounded like this old man was like trying to just like not let this guy go nuts i mean you, you had people saying that both guys had hammers in their hands <laughs> oh yeah, you had it's people like, saying that like both were in their underwear and all sorts of wild shit like that. But this is which is where the whole this which, is based on which evidence. is where the whole I still like to see. I was just gonna say which is where the whole narrative of Nancy or uh, Paul Pelosi's secretly gay and this is his you know this is his guy. It's like I mean, would I be shocked if like Paul Pelosi was a secret homosexual? I don't no. put anything past these people anymore. No. Like I wouldn't be shocked at all. But it's like. That clearly, at least, at least, at least from what we know now, doesn't have anything to do with the interaction right. at that house. I would like to see the body cam footage. I would just too. like when I see when I hear about a black man being killed on the street. I want to see the body cam footage. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for this. I want to see the body cam footage. I don't know if we'll ever see it, but this guy in the courtroom, not based on Facebook posts. Or where he lived 15 fucking years ago or anything like that. These are his statements that were recorded. And I want to also want to hear the phone call. That's another thing I'd like yeah. to hear. And well, and here's the, the actual thing too, phone call to your statement about the body cam footage. If that's never released, 
it gives those folks on the right that are questioning this narrative way more credence and way more credibility. And that's okay. Honestly, like, I'm not shitting on that. Like, you should be demanding the body cam footage. And if they don't make this public, or, you know, if for whatever reason, conveniently the body cams were shut off or ran out of a battery before they went, like, it's, yeah, it's the it same. leaves room for conspiracy. It's like with the Epstein thing, right? Like, it, it's totally okay. Yeah. Conveniently, to- the, the closed circuit television cameras didn't work when Epstein, uh, Killed himself. Yeah, it's it's totally okay. And like it doesn't in a make you it security prison on suicide watch. It doesn't make you you know because I mean that's just it's just a uh, a trope that's thrown that's thrown around. Oh, you're a right wing conspiracy theorist. It doesn't make you a conspiracy theorist to say okay, there were two cops there, they were wearing body cams. I would like to see what's on that footage. And when they go, mm-hmm. oh, the body cams were broken, or they aren't, uh, they aren't, or they or they never released the body cams for such and such reason. It's like, yeah, it. It makes complete sense to start asking questions. That doesn't make you a fucking conspiracy theorist. Not at all. It just makes you a, a reasonable human being that questions narratives because we all know the media fucking lies to us on the left and the right. So, yeah, yeah. ask the questions. I'm 100% for it. But as it yeah, stands... Yeah, like I said, I want to hear the phone call. I want to see the body cam footage. Where the fuck is the... Uh, like? So this, So then these are, this is what leads to this, right? Now we're... Now, uh, you know, the, the dust is settling or whatever. First off, how does someone's husband who's in third in line for the presidency not have any sort of security at the house? Secondly, you know, the legislation is immediately going to jump on to increasing funding to protect everyone that's in any sort of seat or anything like that. Who's going to pay for that? Well, well, we are. But out of the same mouth, they're going to talk about how Violence isn't we, really a problem. No, no. What I was going to say is they're going to be passing legislation to up the budget to protect people in the House and the people in the Senate, right? We know that that's, that's coming. They didn't say it yet, but we know that that's fucking coming. They're going to increase the budget for the Capitol Police so every person can be protected. And in the same breath, they're going to say that we as average Americans don't have any right to guns to protect ourselves in our houses. It's interesting. It's interesting how that works, right? Right. Well, that that's where this is going to go. And and like that's and and I think, you know, the other thing that honestly I wish the more right wing pundits would would talk about is like, okay, yeah, this dude was nuts. You know, you probably shouldn't be breaking into people's houses and smashing guys in the head with a hammer. Obviously, obviously. <laughs> I didn't even know we had to say it, but here we are saying it. But it's like. Do you think this is going to suggest to Nancy Pelosi that she is utterly, utterly out of touch with the American people? Do you think this is going to suggest to Mitch McConnell okay, that he is utterly, utterly out of touch with the American people? Joe Biden, uh, Kevin no. McCarthy. No, that's not. No. They're, 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 they're insulated. There's going to be no attention. protected by millions of dollars of lobbyists and things like that. Uh, schizo, schizo with a with a great comment here. Anti hammer laws uh, coming through. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, it's I mean, be like the UK, but we, instead with instead of knives, it's going to be hammers. We've had that talk about guns, right? Like if you if you ban guns, guns are a tool. You know, a hammer is a tool. Let's just ban tools. No more tools. You don't get tools. <laughs> Build things with other hands. I'm going to get my CPH, my cons- or my uh, CHL, my concealed hammer license. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, don't don't keep it in that pocket of the uh, what is it the the, the construction belt. The, the leather belts with the pockets. The tool yeah, belt. it's going to have to either belt. be That's completely exposed in the hook on the tool belt <laughs> or completely hidden in your waistband. It can't be one or the other. Yeah, I mean, look, I think you're with me on this, Corey. I mean, we we, we wish we wish Paul Paul Pelosi a recovery. I think I heard tonight he's actually yeah, out, he's, fuck, man. He's like, out of the get hospital. Yeah. I hate Pelosi's. I, I hate how these people grift, and I hate how they make money off the back of Americans with insider trading and things like that, but I'm not going to show up at his house and do this shit. I mean, at the same time, you and I have an outlet where we can sit here and bitch about these people on a podcast. And maybe uh, David DePape should have started a podcast instead of deciding to show up in Pelosi's house and then well, and talk that, about being tired. That kind of speaks to the banner that you put up here at the bottom of you know political catastrophizing, right? Because we've we've already seen it. Both sides are doing it. As as always yep. happens, so that so the Democrats are we've already talked about this part are are blaming the you know the right wing extremists and how violent these ugly horrible Trump voting fascists are, uh, but then at the same time you have on the right go blaming uh you know uh, a democratic crime policy as the problem and the fact that oh crime yeah is there's a bunch of socialists who are trying to destroy capitalism and put us all in communist row housing and they're trying to destroy the value of America and. And it's like, okay, no, neither of those things are true. <laughs> this is this is a crazy person who who understandably is pissed at where America is going. Like I can understand that part of it. You know, it's it's, it's never a reason to grab a hammer and go smash somebody in the head. But like you you it's is it okay to say that you can like understand the emotions behind when uh you know somebody has to get so, so, uh, behind when a, a crazy person gets so nuts that they have to act act out violently towards our leaders or essentially lack thereof like it it's you get the emotions behind it obviously you're never going to condone or understand the actions right right so i you know and and that's the part that uh these leaders or lack thereof are going to miss. Yeah. It's they continue to dehumanize each other and dehumanize large swaths of the country to where it's like when the right is continually on social media and media narratives and just talking about how people like Pelosi are just terrible people. It, when they continually do that again and again and again, that word people, you know, just falls off and they're just terrible. And then you don't see them as an equal living, breathing human being. And you just like, well, fuck them. And so you just try to take them out. And both sides do that. You know, we create caricatures. Corey, of we, either spent, side. we spent, I mean, how far in are we? 38 minutes? Just on Paul Pelosi. This is what we always do. Where I was like, we got like nine things we're going to talk about tonight. <laughs> the first, the <laughs> first topic going. just takes us all the way through, but I mean, like, I'm I'm glad we can have. The yeah, we need to stop dehumanizing other human beings because yeah. they don't see the world exactly like we do in this cookie cutter fashion. Yeah, and we uh, we wish Paul Pelosi well from a physical perspective. Yeah, I don't want to see anyone die over some bullshit. Oh, last thing though, let me ask you this question because I, I I thought about this earlier today. If you found out. That somebody pulled like some, like, you know, Hollywood movie diamond heist on the Pelosi's. Snuck into their house, nobody saw them, and they stole like $3 million worth of shit. 
and got and left and got away with it. Would you feel bad for the Pelosi's? No, not neither would I. <laughs> I was just like I was thinking about it in the context of it's like what if what if, if this wasn't had, about politics but about like material possessions? Yeah, like well, if it wasn't about somebody being injured, like but and then somebody like wrote a manifesto and said, "I'm stealing your money because you steal your money from us." I would be I'm rooting. Going, okay, be rooting Nicholas Cage, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> yeah, I would be rooting for that person. I would do it. But <laughs> yeah, I would be rooting for that person. A hundred percent. Very, very different situation. I, you know, which apparently you that looks like you can with the lack of security that these people have. As long as it's under nine hundred dollars or whatever. I don't know what the number is. Uh, oh well, yeah, but you want to talk about the midterms? Or you want to talk about uh, Elon saving the midterms? <laughs> uh, it's up to you. Or we want to talk about the LA City Council being racist? Yeah, we can do that real quick. This has been something we've been pushing off for a couple weeks now. This is kind of... uh, La City Council being lay racist. (laughs) This is more your story than mine, but I do have a few things to say. So I'll I'll let you set it up. (laughs) So here's... This is what's frustrating to me. So first off... Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. So... There was racist remarks leaked in audio of LA council members, and it sparks outrage and disgust. I'm looking at an LA Times article. This is the one that I think kicked it all off. But this uh, this Los Angeles City Council president, Neri Martinez, was in this meeting where she didn't know she was being recorded. And she was literally just, and they were all just talking mad shit about other people, but not just people because they didn't like them, but based on their race. Like, for example, Martinez and the other Latino leaders present, present during the tape conversation were seemingly unaware they were being recorded. As Martinez said, a white council member white council member handled his young black son as though he were an accessory and described Councilman Mike Bonin's son as, I can't speak Spanish, but it's uh, P-A-R-E-C-E Changuito, Parisi Changuito or whatever, or like a monkey. And they were sitting here talking shit about the Oaxacans, which is uh, a southern Mexican. Uh, it's a southern Mexican, like, uh, not I don't want to say race, but maybe a race, like a group of people in South Mexico. And they were talking shit about them. And Martinez also mocked the Oaks oh, right here. Martinez also mocked the Oaxacans as fuck that guy. He's with the blacks while speaking about Los Angeles County District Attorney George Gascon. And so Oaxacans and they are, literally, to set it up. So so Oaxacans are Southern Mexican people, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And these are people I'm assuming that are from Northern Mexico talking shit about Southern Mexicans. And I just thought it was really, so that I have two takes from this. The first take is that. Regardless of where your what what color your skin is or where you're born or anything like that, racism exists in every single group of people, whether the minorities or majorities, every culture, every sect, and also the fact that this racism is shrouding the fact that what these guys. So this meeting, I forgot to set this part up. But this meeting that they're talking about that was recorded was them drawing district lines. Mm-hmm. So they're literally out there redistricting LA County based on race. And that's what this was all derived from. And they're like, no, I don't want that area. He's with the blacks or I don't want that area. He's, you know, and this and that. And they're all out there trying to redraw these district lines of how it'll help them. 
keep their seats of power. And no one's talking about that because it's shrouded in racism. So I'm wondering, I guess I'm just going to get your two cents on this. The fact that let's see where I wrote this down. Um, Racism that every group or culture of people have to deal with racism and bias. And then I put this a caveat though, but when you're in the majority and have to be you and have the most sway in a society, it can justifiably be justifiably be viewed as oppression. And so what I'm getting at that with is the fact that like white people aren't the only ones that are racist. Everyone's racist, but it's understandable that in a country, if, if everyone has, if every group of people has a racist trope, the group that has the majority and is seen as the one that has the most power, if they're racist as well, they're seen as the oppressors by the other people who would be racist. Yeah, I, I, I have these conversations with, with folks from uh, various different ethnic backgrounds. Uh, you've met my good friend Roger. His dad was a, uh, a Cuban national. Um, uh, his dad was actually escaped Cuba. Uh, during during Castro and and Roger and I talk about this stuff a lot and he he, he he tells me he's the one that tells me his real name is Rogelio but he goes by uh, he goes by Roger and he tells me all the time that oh yeah Hispanic people are racist as fuck like, like he's the one saying that not me and he's like and the, and the strange thing about it is like yeah they're racist against each other you know like like with what you were talking about with northern Meth- northern Mexicans and Oaxacans uh, they're kind of a a, a lower class, a, a lower caste system. Um, I also know folks that are uh, off the boat from uh, India, um, very caste based. Uh, in in yeah, the, the Bangladesh and in, in the Bangla- uh, the Bengalis, but they're the Bengalis are Bangladesh is, is that the actual term? It's not like some sort of Michigander, Michiganian thing. It's Bengali. No, it's, it's not it's, Bengladesh. You no, know, it's Bengali. Uh, okay, so, so I just sounded ignorant as fuck. Great. So yeah, Thanks, I mean, guys. they they, they kind of. You know, they, they kind of look down on the Bengalis and certain castes in, in Indian culture and also the Pakistanis, right? They've been at war with Pakistan for on and off for forever. You know, so it's like this isn't this isn't just like an American only white against black only problem globally. Could because I mean, and that's what I was gonna ask you, Corey, is like do you think this do you think the fact that like white on black racism i won't even say, i won't even just say black but white on people of color racism uh is 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 another one of these things of like uh america's weird superiority complex like we even have to be the best racists yeah we're, we're the best at everything when it comes to racism war or democracy Apparently, we're the best at it all, Dan. Don't you even dare try to tell us that. But we're it's not. odd, and it's and it's real, and it's even, uh, it even exists within different cultures within the melting pot that we have in America, as clearly seen by what's going on yeah, with no, the Los Angeles example. City Council right now. Yeah, and it's not like I'm trying to take away from the fact that, like, you know, this our country is based in colonial Europeans. You know, so where it's like that, you know, like we've all like in our country overall, the white race has been predominantly the ones in charge. But the fact that the, the white people have people in our little group that are racist doesn't negate the fact that racism 
exists in all of these other sects of our country. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Is that just the word it, bunch of mouth marbles? No, mumble it, jumbo? it 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 does, but it's it's the it's the insinuation that whiteness is inherently bad because whiteness equals racism. I think No, we just we have racism in our in our group of our culture and our group and our society just like every other group does. Well, I think that's the issue, right? And it goes to and you know, for anybody who disagrees with that with what I had just said, they're really gonna be pissed at what I'm about to say because I'm about to quote Jordan Peterson, which is a Big no-no for for lots of people, but like Jordan had a great point. I don't always agree with what he has to say, but he has he had a great point. I, he was I can't remember where the, where this was. He was like arguing with a feminist, and she pointed out that you know men uh, are CEOs of ninety percent of Fortune five hundred companies, and to which Jordan responded by, "Okay, so you're going to judge all men based on the status and the position of." 470-ish men? Like what yeah. like what sense does that make, right? Like that's like me, you know, um walking through the inner city and seeing, you know, 70 or 80 black men committing crimes and going all all black men are bad and you know, it, it, like it's it's like it, that's not the same. When it's like, well, everyone here is in this area is black, so obviously yeah, it's 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 just this, yeah, it's, yeah the, the the ratio right like so we're only talking about four hundred countries or four hundred companies in our country of the thousands yeah. and thousands of countries and you're gonna base the uh, the trials and tribulations of all the white people in the entire oh my god I just looked like I did a fucking <laughs> I didn't mean to do that <laughs> what I'm talking about white people that's a weird we're going to base all there you go like this of, uh, with the, the with struggles the, and trials and with, tribulations with the palm facing toward you Corey. i gotta do a little flick of the wrist yeah, so you just... and and on the trope or so we're gonna base all the trials and tribulations of all the white people in the country on these 470 white guys elite guys right and that's the thing is like we talk about this a lot it's class not race because the the like you brought up the data to me. I, I don't know if you have it still have it in front of you, but when we were doing our show meeting on Tuesday about like the difference between elite white people and elite black people is a, there's a huge disparity. Like white huge people, disparity. White people yes. are way ahead, but when you get down to the average blue collar middle class, even poor s- areas of the country, white people are still ahead, but it's way way closer. A lot closer. Way closer. We're like we're. We're still struggling. We're struggling together. We're in the same class together. You now, know, like now, the medium now. wage of black people and white people. Does that mean that black folks that are on our same economic scale don't have troubles that we or, or have troubles that we don't have? No, it doesn't that, mean no, that at all. That absolutely, yeah, no. It uh, you know, like for you and I, two white men who are middle class walking around this country with our dick swinging. The eight of us that uh, are left. <laughs> the eight of us middle class people in general that are left right because it's either poor or rich now mm-hmm. um we live in a live in a society where the majority of the country looks like us so now when the majority of the country looks like us things are going to be constructed for a world that's similar for people like us 
So there is going to be struggles that people that don't look like us as a minority in a country, they're going to face by being kind of an outlier versus you and I. And we but now this we isn't something that's unique. That. Yeah, we certainly this isn't have something that's unique to America. If you plopped me in somewhere like India where I'm the minority, I could be making as much as any other person who's in India, but I'm still going to face weird barriers and cultural you know, hurdles and things like that as a minority in that country versus someone who's a majority there. I'll even give you a great example. I just, I just, I just mentioned my, my good buddy, Roger. I call him the Cuban creation. Cause I, I just love him so much. Uh, he actually had mentioned to me not long ago that, cause he was, he was looking for a new job. And for the longest time, his resume said his actual name, Rogelio. And he said, I've done this before. I'm going to try it again. He changed his name to Roger on his uh, on his resume. And he got more calls. Guess who got more calls? Rogelio or Roger? Roger. Who do you think got more calls? Roger did. Yeah. Roger did. Because it's a white sounding name. So like, like, it's not like Corey and I don't get it, but the overblown nature of the all-encompassing racism that we're still having is, is right, a little yeah. bit... It's a little bit. Us as white people aren't the only ones that are racist. Is there a white privilege in our country? Sure, Mm -hmm. but there's racism. Just ask Roger. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, or even so, like I don't really know. Like I have friends who are a part of the uh, Latino community, but I have family members that are in the black community, and I've heard it. I've heard black family members kind of cut up and joke around with other black family members. Because they were mixed, or because their skin's a little bit lighter, or because they don't talk like they're from the city and they talk like they're from the suburbs. And these things just they happen. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it doesn't matter which culture, race, ethnicity you are, this stuff happens in every ethnicity. But we can say that and then also acknowledge the fact that if you're a part of the ethnicity that happens to be the majority in the country, you might get a little subtle bits of, uh, you know, privilege. Special treatment. Uh, yeah. Because I you that. just you just blend in. You blend in a lot easier when you're not the outlier. And, and we it's all unfortunate, know, like, but it happens humans, in every country. Humans are a, a cultural or a cultural, a, a tribal species. And it's like, yeah, we're we're more comfortable around people that are like us. And we're, we're more, more like we're more if you know, if, if I'm a boss. I might be subconsciously more comfortable hiring somebody who's like me. Uh, that's evolution. That's not necessarily. And then, so the second bit of this is the fact that they were just fucking gerrymandering, <laughs> redrawing lines. So we did the same thing. We fell for re- it, Corey. We talked about the race part way more than the part about the gerrymandering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I actually, let me see where I have it. I have a photo here. Where is it at? Oh, gerrymandering. So for the listeners, this kind of explains it a little bit. I put this little outlay on here. It basically shows just examples of how you can just chop this stuff up to make it look like, or based on how you can chop up districts. So it's politically advantageous for you and your district to get the votes that you want, that you can just chop up a big swath of like a Republican area and just, 
nickel and dime away different parts of it and just make that get encompassed into large blue areas so the Republicans don't have as much of a powerful vote and vice versa. Like when you look at Michigan, like we recently passed in, uh, was it 2020, 2018? Or I think it was 2018, right? When we did the anti-gerrymandering thing where we made it so where a commission has to, uh, instead of either party making our district lines, now it's an actual like commission. And, oh man, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? <laughs> It happens. I ran out of gas, no, Dan. The, I, the, no, but what I'm saying is like, yes, yeah, so you can draw district lines to make it politically advantageous for you when you're in power and it keeps you in power. And this happens all over the country as example by LA County doing the exact thing. They were drawing district lines based on race and how they would keep their seats of power, not on the fact that they're trying to just represent people in that county. And that's, that's you know, people talk about money in politics and they talk about um, they talk about the electoral system and they talk about gerrymandering a lot. I think gerrymandering and I think money and gerrymandering are, are the most uh, important things to fix. Yeah. Because and it's frustrating to me when people talk about the electoral system. The, I, I, I don't think it needs to be to go away because whenever anybody loses, they always say the electoral college needs to be gone. Right. I mean, you 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 can go back to Trump in 2012 when Obama won his second term, talking about how the electoral college needs to go away. There's you can I'm, go back to Al Gore. I'm, I'm sure that tweet is still available. But yeah, but then without the electoral college, he doesn't win in 2016 because Hillary beat no. him by nearly three million yeah. votes. So let me so, explain this: without the electoral college, presidents are just going to hang out in California, New York, and that's it. Presidential candidates are just going to hang out in New York and California. Two, and that's two, it. two wolves and a sheep deciding what's for dinner. Yeah. Electoral college spreads that a little bit because let's be honest, California has more of a population than like 15 states combined. But so if we're going to go based on population, like we're literally going to take away the rights of like 15 states and have it be a wash with one state. That's not fair. But meanwhile, if you revamped gerrymandering laws, and you actually force these fucking asshole politicians to go out and win an election as opposed right. to drawing district lines in a way that they're 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 going to win no matter what yeah they're not serving the they're not serving the community by doing that they're doing it they were literally doing it all on race and doing it in a way that they were for sure going to keep their seats which by the way these guys are making like 400 grand a year or something like that dan and two of like the one girl Martinez, she left, but then uh, the two other guys, they're literally on like paid leave right now, and they're all they're both gonna be making in the like in the two or three months that they're out, they're both gonna be making like 30, 40 grand. Not now, not doing their jobs, sitting on the sidelines, making the same medium wage as their constituents. After getting caught making racist statements while drawing zigzag lines all over a map to keep their keep their jobs. I'm sorry, I was looking for a specific congressional district here in Michigan, but I think it has since Oh, just to show how changed. fucking ridiculous it looks. No, I think it has since changed. I I could be dead wrong about this, but somebody so somebody who knows what the district lines used to be here in Michigan, please uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But for the for a, a, a considerable amount of time, 
uh, Republicans had drawn district lines in Michigan to include the city of Pontiac, which is a city in Oakland County, which uh, was or even may still be per capita the richest country in the United States. I don't know if people know. It's one of the richest counties in the United States, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, and I think for a while it was the richest county in the United States, but Pontiac is a city in the middle of Oakland County that is very, very poor. and Surrounded by very, very rich neighborhoods. And very, very black. And for there, there was a district line drawn in the state of Michigan that encircled Pontiac, went basically right down Woodward Avenue, world-famous Woodward Avenue, and went into poorer... Uh, areas of, of yeah. Wayne County to keep that poor black vote in one district, right? Yep. So they, so both parties do this shit. Uh, I, I this, this is uh, this district doesn't exist anymore. I think it's been since redrawn. Uh, but for a long time, that was that was the case, or something close to that. Anybody, somebody, somebody can correct me on that. Uh, no, yeah, no, I that was, I got that was pretty close. Like common knowledge in a Michigan, that, yeah. yeah, like the gerrymandering here was absolutely just absurd. The way they did it, it looked like a jigsaw puzzle. If you took a jigsaw puzzle and made it just one really long skinny piece, and we're talking, <laughs> we're talking like twenty miles. It's not like. Pontiac and Detroit are right near. Yeah, they're, each other. they're not that close. Pontiac to each other. is literally like twenty miles from the city of Detroit. In fact, Woodward was built, I believe, originally to connect Detroit and Pontiac. Like that was its purpose. That um, was the purpose of the. I road. think Woodward originally was the M1. It went. Yeah, so it goes it's, it's all the way up to Bloomfield. No, it goes far. Detroit was a, an old, just like trade route. Or Woodward was an old trade route, the M one M one rail or whatever. Not the M one rail. No, but it's the M1. no, it's it splits. It splits at Pontiac. Once you get to the north side of Pontiac, it splits. But I think it reconvenes and keeps going. It does not. No, Are you it, sure? It, it, no, no, there's there's, there's a, n- nobody outside of Michigan or Detroit area cares about this. But it's cir- it circles around the northern port of, port of Pon- part of Pontiac, and it splits off into like US twenty four and and a few a few other roads. US ten. The loop, yeah, the loop in Pontiac. US ten is just known. Like I remember my dad. Again, no one gives a shit about any of this, but I remember my dad <laughs> having a having a uh, license plate for his '66 Chevelle, and it said US ten, and that was Woodward. And it does go past Pontiac. I I just forget how far. It Not goes, that but it's far. Like a, but it's a pretty long ride. Uh. Anyway, you want to talk about Elon's Twitter? Yeah, let that sink in. Do you want to talk about Elon? We can talk about it. We can go, we can go real quick. We're getting a little long in the tooth here. What's what's your what is your actual opinion about what you've seen? Well, wait. So should we let this one uh, marinate and get to the midterm previews? Because you want to save that that's on Tuesday. You want to save Elon, and we can kind of let it marinate some more. I mean, I think I've already got my opinion, but we can save it. We can save Elon. I have my opinion too, but if we're getting long in the tooth, uh, <laughs> this. This is on Tuesday. We're going to be talking about the results of this next week. Yeah. That'll and then sane. That's the same dude. It's already happening. That'll take the, uh, that'll take the entire episode. Hang on. I'm fixing our description here. I don't want anybody to get mad. You didn't talk about this. Okay. Well, all right. All right. All right. All right. 
No, I'm fixing it. I'm all right. I'm good. We're good. But don't fix it. Let's just let's just nope, talk about it nope, real quick. Too late. We got an extra ten minutes. God too damn late. it! Too late. Already fixed it. Uh, the wheels are off. The end of democracy is coming up here in uh, five days from this recording. Uh, maybe two or three days if you're listening uh, the uh, to the, the the podcast version. Uh, so interesting things. There have been some interesting developments with regards to the. Uh, with the mid- to, the, to the midterms right now. And I'm going to give you the one that surprises me the most, and that is the fact that Fox News has John Fetterman up four points as of today. You think he's going to win? I mean, if you would ask me yesterday, I probably would have said no. But I, I, that, that, that race has been so hard to figure out because, and we talked about it a lot last week because you have a guy who's clearly compromised, which you're not allowed to talk about because you're an ableist if you talk about it, even though the man's not disabled. Uh, he had a stroke. I hope he recovers as we all do, uh, but he's not disabled. I know that because I work in the disabled community. So knock it off with the ableist bullshit. Uh, and, but then you have him working against a, a carpet bagging grifter that nobody trusts. So it's like <laughs> the reality, the carpet bagging reality TV show grifter. I just have, n- I have no idea. But if, if Fox News has Fetterman up four, five days before the election, you know, margin of error or whatever, it's definitely going to be close. Yeah. But I would have to say Fetterman probably wins by a little bit. But dude, I don't know. This could all change tomorrow. Ah, uh, should we write this down and keep track of what we think is going to win? I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly what I think is going to happen. Uh, Republicans are going to pick up. It, it, they are wide open to pick up twenty seats in the House. I don't. I don't. I, I think they certainly have twenty seats. I think they're going to pick up more like twenty-five. Uh, that's where the red wave is really going to hit. They're going to the House, win, not the Senate. They're, yeah, they're going to win the House, and now I mean. Yesterday, I might have said that Republicans pick up three seats in the Senate uh, and make it uh, 52-48, or or 53-47, I should say. Now, it's probably going to be one or two, which is enough because it's 50-50 right now. It's enough. I think think for sure, it it pains me to say this. It really pains me to say this. I think Herschel Walker is going to beat Raphael Warnock. Isn't that really funny that like we're literally talking about uh, when we talk about ableism and people with like brain injuries and stuff, a bunch of Republicans are going to vote for Herschel Walker and then a bunch of Democrats are going to vote for Fetterman. God damn. But then I look at this and even Remington Research, who is remarkably conservative, they, as of today, they have Mark Kelly beating Blake Masters by, it's just one point. But that's something that's changed in the last few days. So I really, I really don't know. The Senate is going to be absolutely tight. If I had to guess, I'm going to say 52-48 in the Senate for Republicans. And Republicans pick up at least 20. But my prediction is 25 seats in the House. So the House votes, or the House, I honestly haven't been following as closely. It's like about these 10 different races. You know, like Wisconsin... With um with Barnes and Johnson, uh, you know, the Kelly Blake Masters thing, obviously Fetterman and Oz. Um, I know there's a big one going on in Nevada, and then uh, North Carolina, 
And then Ohio is another one, J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan. And then the, uh, and then Colorado. Oh, Florida is another one, but like a lot of these ones, like you can already tell, like Rubio is probably going to win. Yeah, it's not even showing up on Real Clear Politics. Uh, but I think some of the more interesting stuff is like some of these governors' races. About you know when it comes to this this political realignment that we're starting to see, like you have you have people in Oregon like going. We might have the first Republican governor in like 40 years or whatever the hell it is. Because like people in Portland are pissed and uh, about, you know, the crime and the homelessness and people shitting all over the streets. Uh, and, and, and the part that should make Democrats so infuriated is the fact that like people don't like to be told that shit that's happening isn't actually happening. And I get in the, the those examples. The biggest example, really, is the rise in crime. And, and the Democrats like to come back and say things like, um, well, you know, the national statistics show this. But it's like people in New York City don't give a fuck about how much crime is going on in Omaha, Nebraska. Right? Like, leave leave your national statistics out of it. You know? Like, You're right. And that's probably why the Senate races are like, gaining so much more steam than like government races and i don't give a shit about like everything's nationalized now i i don't i don't really give a shit about the polls when it comes to a lot of these gubernatorial races because most of the most of the polls that i've been able to see are kind of local races and you know kathy hochel is probably going to win in new york if I were a betting man, I would say that she's probably gonna she's probably gonna hold on to the to the governor's mansion in New York. But like the fact that people are talking about it, the first Republican governor in in twenty years, and it's not just Republican pundits that are saying this, right? This is independent news sources that are saying like this might be a little closer than we think, and there are reasons for that, and it's because. People don't like being told that shit that's happening isn't actually happening or look over there, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. And right now, the Democrat... <laughs> Literally the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> how, how symbolic but, is that? Corey, the Democratic Party is that party right now. And that wasn't always the case, right? If you go back to the early 2000s, especially during the height of the Afghan and Iraq war, that's the shit that the Republicans were doing. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Uh, um, uh, Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction and we have to go and nation build. Like, that's the shit that when I supported Democrats that I fucking hated Republicans for doing. So guess what? Now I fucking hate Democrats for doing the same goddamn bullshit about trying to make us go about trying to make us scared of, of, of some boogeyman fascist monster while not even mentioning the problems that their dominated cities, states and districts are dealing with. It's bullshit. Isn't that interesting too when you talk about that? And this is why I'm all about like decentralizing the power in our country and making it more states and less nationalized. Is that like while the whole crime thing is like the national sentiment, but here locally in Michigan, like on a micro scale, it it isn't even talked about because Detroit actually like while most of these major cities like Chicago, New York, LA, um, down in Louisiana. Um, Minneapolis, you can name so many inner cities where like crime rates are spiking by like 30% we're talking about. 
Detroit has seen a 20% decline in the last year for crime. And it's odd because we're losing cops. So maybe it's odd that we're losing cops. And I think, and it's interesting that like, it's not really talked about here on the local scale. You hear it in the national news and stuff. Sure. But you don't hear the political pundits here really talking about it much. Well, is this is the crime going down because of the or are in, people in, leaving in Detroit because of the dip in cops because less people are getting arrested for bullshit crimes as as folks on the left might like to point out or is uh crime dipping because uh we have less cops and less people are getting caught like people on the right might like to point out so I know that it's that people on the left it it is a big critic critic like a criticism that they use like data driven stuff like uh like Michigan uses or so Detroit uses things te- for technology like uh they have just like uh, what is it it's it's like sensors sensors throughout the city that will uh catch the sound waves of a gunshot yeah what the hell so is before that called the pl- again i, we I forget what it's before. called but like before the the police don't even have to be called a sensor will catch that and then they just send police to that area and then we also have the green light uh, shot spotter, shot spotter. Yeah, shot spotter. Yeah, we use shot spotter, and we have the green light district. Now, uh, granted, Project Greenlight. Project Greenlight. Yeah, Project Greenlight. The green light and, district sounds like a conservative version of the red light district. <laughs> <laughs> and now, granted, these can obviously get people entangled in uh, situations where, like, a, a black man could just be walking down the street where a shot spotter went off a block away, and then the cops think that he's the one that did it, and they just assume that it was him. Sure. There are negative connota- or negative aspects to these different types of uh, policies, but we're seeing here in Michigan crime going down in a city that is notorious for crime. It, at one point, it was the murder capital of the world. Detroit was. And then it was Flint for a while. And then it was Flint. Which is right up the road. Yeah. When we set, we've set the bar so low in Michigan that we got nowhere to go but up, Dan. Yeah, I mean, look, the bottom line is this. <clears throat> the red wave is coming, whether you like it or not. It's absolutely coming, and it's coming for a few various different reasons. One, history suggests it. Joe Biden's uh, <clears throat> excuse me, approval rating, depending on where you look, it's no higher than about 45%. <laughs> uh when you have a president who has that low of an approval rating, generally his party gets their ass kicked uh, in in the midterms. The other thing is that you can you you you've seen a shift in the last couple of weeks at Democrats' uh, strategy, right? Because they weren't really talking about the economy, they weren't really talking about crime, and. Surprise, surprise, the number one issue for American voters is the fucking economy and inflation. And the second one and is now, crime. And now all of a sudden you have uh, Biden and you have all of the Democratic candidates switching to uh, Republicans are going to take away Social Security. They weren't even fucking talking about that three weeks ago. So when you see a strategic shift this close to an actual election. It's a do- scramble. You know it's a scramble. Doesn't bode well for the party in power. And then... The uh, the issues that uh, Democrats were talking about are completely gone. You know, they're they're still sticking to the abortion thing a little bit, but 
all, all, everything points to to a red wave. We're certainly going to see it in the House for sure. It is going to be a little closer in the Senate, um, but I, I, I mean, I think I think Republicans walk away uh, with with both at at the end of the day. They should they should dominate in the House. It's, Senate's going to be a little closer, but they're 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 going to walk away with both. If history shows anything, that's what's going to happen. Yep. The midterm the midterms are always a referendum, you know, it's always an airing of grievances. Well, that's the other historical fact that 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 I forgot to mention is that usually uh the party in power loses l- just loses in the midterms. Like that's what midterms elections midterm elections historically do. Uh you know, we saw it in Couple that with a bad economy. It's a shot of steroids into the opposite party. Clinton got smoked in his first his first midterm. The only one who didn't was George W. Bush, but that was coming off the heels of 9-11. It was a little bit different circumstances. Uh, Obama got smoked in his first midterm, and Trump got didn't get smoked, but he did lose in his first midterm. Like, it, there's no reason not to expect that the same thing's going to happen on, on November 8th. So get ready for it. I don't know if you're happy about it or not happy about it, but either way, sorry, folks, it's going to happen. I'm ready for it. I'm voting third party for pretty much everything anyways. So I'm going to not vote, Corey. I'm going to vote without voting. No, I am going to vote. I'm at least going to go vote on the Michigan proposals. I might leave the rest of the fucking ballot blank. I don't fucking know. <laughs> but I'm going to at least vote on those proposals because I do really, I do actually care about those. And a couple of people I like. I do like our Secretary of State. Some people might disagree with that. Um, yeah, she's a Democrat, so shit on me for being a, a blue person, but whatever. I'm a Smurf. I'm a Smurf because I like... Uh, uh, the low lines at the Secretary of State. remember her name, Jocelyn Benson. Um, Which, for people who aren't from the state of Michigan and the world, it's basically the Department of Motor Vehicles is yeah. our Secretary of State. We don't call it the DMV. We call it the SOS. Well, everybody has a Secretary of State, cause secretaries, but they don't always deal with motor vehicles. Right, yeah, but I mean, like, when you go to get your registration for your car, you oh, go to yeah, the it's through the te- Secretary through, of State. You don't go to the State, Department yeah. of Motor Vehicles. It's not a separate department. I understand what you're saying. Uh, All right, so next week, I guess we're going to talk about uh, we're gonna Elon s- becoming the chief twit. No, well, everybody, I mean, we don't we don't really even have to talk about that. What I would actually like to do is, like, update on it. Because right now, it's just a, it's just a, a shit show of, like, the left... Uh, freaking out because you know free like like what AOC said about like yeah. charging $8 when you're a billionaire and Elon's like yeah okay thanks for the feedback now pay 8 bucks and then he decided to go to her website and, and show people that she's charging $58 for a sweatshirt <laughs> god damn he is the master troll it's isn't god he? Damn, dude i i i don't i don't even care i don't I like how his. Uh, I don't care if this makes me. I don't care if people label me a fascist. I fucking love Elon Musk, and that's not going to change. Unless, I thought it was hilarious yeah, that uh, the White House tweeted that. Oh, this year the biggest boost in income for Social Security at, uh, receivers is going to be higher than it ever was, and his Twitter responds that well, it's not anything the White House is doing. It's based on law that. Uh, increases in social security is based on inflation. Yeah. And yeah, the reason why it's the biggest increase for social security payout is because inflation is the biggest it's been in years. It's so funny because like normally I'll shit on billionaires and I do that because they're in cahoots with the government. I look at Elon and I just don't feel the same way. I, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if you have the same opinion, but I just I don't 
obviously he's not in cahoots with with I mean he is because obviously there's SpaceX which you have to go through the federal government to be able to get the permits to launch I understand that which by the way our government uses to get our astronauts in and out of space oh uh, yeah but so so like with Elon and SpaceX combined with the United States government it's more of it's more of like an even trade as like I just I don't feel like Elon is trying to um either control the federal government or let the federal government control him because that's what he just wants to make some money. Yeah. That's what the other billionaires seem to tend to do. So yeah, I fucking love Elon as far as billionaires go. I mean, I wish he would, I wish he would give me a billion. That'd be awesome. If, if I could like enter a lottery where he just gives me a billion, I'd take it. Uh, but he's just different. He's just a different breed of billionaire. It's just they're here. Here. Elon is the proof that not all billionaires are created equal. Can we say that? Yeah, this guy's over here using his satellites to give Ukraine internet so they have a fighting chance against one of the biggest superpowers in the world. Yeah, and when he gives you things like Elon... He's made electric vehicles sexy. Elon could... And when people are like, Elon could end world hunger with $6 billion, and he responds with like, okay... Show me the... Yeah. Give me the receipts. If you could show me the receipts and the plan and how we're actually going to execute this, I'd be happy to give up that $6 billion. But like, yeah, like... And nobody could do it. It's very libertarian. I like it. Uh, anyway, tell the people where they can find us, Corey. Libservative Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is podpage.com slash libservative. It could be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter is at libservativepod. And you can find our transcripts at libservativepodcast.wordpress.com. Our TikTok videos can be found at libservativepodcast. And you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Subscribe today. Mm, subscribe oh, and then today. make sure to give us a review. If you give us a review, we will absolutely read it on the air. It helps boost up our numbers on our podcast or our pod pages. Tell a friend where you heard it. If can, you're enjoying the show, we can bring in more content. We can maybe pull in some cash and quit our jobs and do this thing full time and really oh give you God. guys Could some sick-ass content. imagine if we were doing a breaking point thing and we were actually able to get to every fucking topic we wanted to by having three or four shows a week shout out to schizo free israel uh my lovely fiance marissa for commenting tonight uh until next time he's been Corey walsh he's been dan griffin this has been libservative and we are out of here peace show we the people cannot stand that